I'm Gab. He's Jules. Gray and horrendous right. wet outside here in West London. Yeah. But it's shining elsewhere because the Champions League group stage is over. We've got yes. so much to look forward to. Yes. The draw is on Monday. Um, we're going to get into all that. We're going to get into the Tottenham struggles. We're going to get into Milan advancing. Basically, that many storylines. Yeah. A lot of dead rubbers in match day six. So the, the, the battle of light versus darkness, good versus evil. Unfortunately, evil triumphed. Um, Leipzig you know, Maybe Leonard yeah. Bernstein was right. Uh, but let's start. With the Paris Saint-Germain Benfica group and that incredible ending. Incredible. So, just to set to set the scene, Paris Saint-Germain Benfica both already qualified. Yeah. Juventus hosting Paris Saint-Germain and they're losing two one. Maccabi Haifa hosting Benfica, and because of the way the tiebreakers basically panned out, the two teams were level on points. They were level on everything. Um, except so the, for the, the, goal difference in the group. Yes, exactly. And then I started with PSG plus eight and Benfica plus four. So Benfica had to win by five goals to finish first in the group. Yeah. And it was 2-1, like, already in the second half? I mean, I... I it was 1-1 half time and then Grimaldo scored early in the second half to make it 2-1. But still, up to the 69th minute, it was still just 2-1. And then four goals in 20 minutes Incredible. for... Benfica. Now, in the olden days, where people are all suspicious and stuff like that, was there anything? I know, I know, like you know, yeah. you guys are Latin, like us, right? So, like, was there any of that in the French press this morning, bit. or was it more like Paris Saint Germain? Don't complain. A little bit. You screwed this up again. Yeah, but. Jérôme Rotten on his radio show last night it was a bit like, well, I saw the uh, Maccabi goalkeeper leaving the stadium with his brand new Lamborghini. You know, the kind of jokes. Uh, <laughs> um, in the end, he came to PSG scored another goal against Maccabi last week. It would have been enough for another goal against Juve. They would have topped the group. They didn't. There was not much between the two teams when they faced each other, the two 1-1 draws. In the end, he went down to the seventh tiebreaker in all the lists. So head-to-head, right. goal scored, goal difference, goal conceded, all of that. He went to away goal scored, I which Benfica was better than PSG. I want to get into, for a moment, though, talking about Benfica, because I kind of feel that, you know, we haven't spoken about them much yeah, uh, that's true. this season, but they're having a tremendous season domestically. Yeah. Um, they had that incredible undefeated run. Uh, they went in a different direction, obviously, in appointing uh, Roger Schmidt. Schmidt. Yeah. Uh, What's the secret here? Bear in mind that this is a team that, let's face it, because of the screwed up class system we have in football, basically has to sell pieces and replace yeah. them every year. So they, they lose their best players every year, including Darwin Nunez, for example, last summer, of course. They changed managers again. Jorge Jesus was there last season. He was a shambles. And Verissimo came, came in for, as an interim coach for the end of the season. And then Roger Schmidt, who had something good going on at PSV, and we were even surprised when he announced that he was leaving to go to Benfica. All of that, but 20, 22 games in the season in all competitions, and they're still unbeaten. Pretty remarkable the way they play with the intensity. I'm thinking they're the only unbeaten, okay, we, see, we would normally say in the big five, let's call it big six now, include Portugal. That's still pretty amazing. Yeah, them and PSG are the only ones who haven't lost. You know, Bayern have lost, not in Champions League, but in the league. Napoli have lost against Liverpool now, the yeah. first game. City too, but yeah, they've been impressive. They've got a right mix of experience with Joao Mario, for example, and youth. Antonio Silva is the new 
centre-back prodigy that they have, only 18 years of age, really impressive, Gonzalo Ramos. But everywhere, there's so much talent. And I think Schmidt has brought that kind of intensity, the, pr the way they press and counter-press so, is very impressive too. I, I didn't think Ramos could step it up so quickly in terms of very, very in terms of scoring. It's good, 12 goals I, this season already. And I didn't think, I know, that's when you said it's like Darwin who, you know? Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> and I certainly didn't think that Joe Mario would be having this renaissance. I mean, he's had so many ups and downs in his career, so many horrible moments. But there's a player. Is there a player in there, yeah. or is it down Completely, to Roger Schmidt? Of course. No, no, no. I think a bit of both. But he's so versatile; can play everywhere, uh, in very different positions. Really, pretty much apart from goalkeeper, I think any position he can play. He's the one that scored the last, the sixth goal in added time to put them top of the group. And after any celebration, they were looking at the bench saying, "Is this okay? Have we? What's the PSG? Is, is that, are we top?" Um, remarkable, but I think it's the experience, the leadership that he brings as well that is, is such an added value to this team, especially with the, the sort of younger players coming through. Florentino Luis, for example, is doing really well. Enzo has been one of the signings of the summer in the big six leagues. So, no, really, really good what they, what they have and what they're going through so far. I mean, with Portugal having two teams through and, yeah. and Sporting screwing it up, as, as we'll see later, I do wonder whether we should start talking big like six, six leagues yeah. now rather than, uh, rather than big five. You know, especially if we're, since we judge the people are saying, oh, look, the Premier League is stronger than this. I'm like, you're not. If you're judging one European... more club than La Liga in the last 16. So. Exactly. So you said this, the feed that felt good for Juve, and I know, I know what you're going to say because of the kids, because of, you know, even some of the way they played. However, this is a Juve team now for the first time in its history. Only, I think, the second time in Italian football history after Roma, maybe in 03 or 04 or something, that we go five defeats out of six in a group stage match. I think Juve had five defeats in the Champions League, 02 03, but you know, there was two group stages and they right. still went to the semi final. One win in six and five defeats in a group like that, I'm sorry, this is humiliating. 0203, they actually got to the final and yeah. lost to the final on penalties at Old Trafford. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. I was there. Dreadful. Um, sure, if you take the Juve's group stage as a whole, it's a complete unmitigated disaster. Yeah. Um, but what I liked about this game is that we saw kids. Yeah. And we would have seen more kids in this game, right? We, we, Fajoli, Mr. Yeah. Beans. Mr. Bean? Uh, he gets a start. Miretti starts. Uh, now, Sule would have started. Oh, sorry, Sule, I think, came on. Came on, yeah. Uh, Ealing Jr. would have, I think, would have yeah, definitely started. Gatti started. Had he been fit. What? Gatti yeah. started. Yeah. Gatti, by the way, is one of those guys who's young because Italy's a magical country where you're young until you're 25. You're He's actually young. 24 years old. Yeah, right? but, but still youngish. In, in, his name in means cats, yeah, so we right. like him. Um, to have the courage to do that and to not get blown away by Paris Saint-Germain, Paris Saint-Germain without Neymar, but it was still a strong Paris Saint-Germain lineup it that was, was out the there, strongest. right? Um, so, I think this is this is good. Juventus had 11 players missing through injury, yeah. plus Danilo out through suspension, suspension yeah. plus they're not good, plus they had nothing to play for. And they have Allegri as a coach. So. <laughs> they have this version of Allegri. Oh, and of course, they're playing Inter at the weekend, yeah, right? Which I, so you could think it was in the back of the mind. Old Juve would have played a bunch of scrubs, you know, Carlo Pinsolio in goal and stuff <laughs> like that. Um, maybe Carlo Pinsolio at center forward, to, you know, to save Milik. Uh, and they would have sucked. Or they would have played the starters and they just would have stood around and not run at all and, and yeah. laughed at the fact that they were losing, right? Because they had nothing to play for. But instead, we saw the kids out there. And I don't know that a light bulb has gone on in, gone off in Max's head, 
I think it's because he didn't have the choice. Really, you saw, he, you saw the bench. There was two goalkeepers, two more youngsters, Rugani, and then <laughs> can't remember who. The, and that but, was it, really. Okay, maybe it's that, but maybe, maybe, maybe Max won't be convinced. Maybe the maybe Andrea Agnelli will be convinced. Maybe the Agnelli family will be convinced. If you're gonna suck. And you yeah. will suck because you made stupid signings. You signed Di Maria, who would rather be elsewhere. I mean, somebody said this on television, right? If I offer somebody a two-year contract, and he says, no, I only want a one-year contract, and you know there's a World Cup in the middle of the year, you kick him on his backside. And you say, hey, Angel, go fly up in heaven, right? Or wherever it is you, you feel you belong. You do not belong here. No, you're right. You know, for the kids, what? And the biggest paradox is, for the people who don't know, but the Juve reserve team plays in Serie C, yeah. which they were given the opportunity for the clubs. You can you can have a team there. You are, it costs you a lot of money because you are yeah. almost to manage it like a normal professional team, mm -hmm. uh, just another one. But Juve went for it to get those kids in that they, they you know Italian kids, but also like Ealing Junior kids that they went and coached Sule, at Chelsea, yeah. or Sule, yeah. uh, a Velez, and all that kind of stuff. So they clearly invested a lot of money, resources, time, everything. So then if you don't play them and you hire a manager in Max Allegri, who we know is not too keen on kids and youth, yeah. it's a bit like, well, I think you started well. The idea was good to have that team in Serie C. And then, what's I mean, the point then? I, I, Juve are the only... So they did, they did some stupid things that I did a few years ago where they said, oh, look, the reason we're bad is in, in European competitions is that we don't have... We don't produce... Like, yet, everybody yeah. else has competitive B teams, which, by the way... Not true. Not true. I mean, uh, uh, Spain has them, sure, but who else has them? Certainly uh, not England. Uh, <laughs> certainly not England. Certainly not, you know, in, in Germany, they're, 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 yeah. they're amateurs, and I think they're playing the fourth division or whatever. I think France has them too, but they play even, even further fourth down, right? Fourth and fifth division for us. So, you know. But at but, least you play against adults, not like in England where you just play against your people your right. age. So, I mean, I'm, I'm against the principle. I don't think the super clubs need any more favors. But whatever. But Juve did it. They campaigned for it. They put their money where their mouth is. Other clubs campaigned for it. And they yeah, said, yeah. oh, no, it costs too much money. We don't want to do it. But it's great they see these kids. I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree with you. Agree. And hopefully it'll, stay, hopefully it'll also change the mentality a little bit of there's a certain type of Juve fan that I think the club listens to way too much. The ones who are like, ah, we just care about winning. We don't care how we win. Oh, no. Yeah, oh, look, yeah, you put yeah. a youngster in. You're an idiot. Oh, no, oh, give me Di Maria, right? Yeah. I, I, look, I'm not having a go at Juve fans at all. There's a certain type of Juve fan who I think isn't even a football fan. I think there's the people who are just be happy looking at live <laughs> score and seeing that they won. I don't even think they like football, right? But I think there are enough Juve fans who, who pay attention to what goes out there and says, hey, why don't we produce kids? Why don't we do something yeah. about this? Um, so th that's a positive there. Uh, a word on Maccabi, obviously, overmatched. This is a really, really tough group when it, it came out. It is. And they did well, to be fair, for themselves. In the second half, though, when they just could not clear the ball, it felt, and I, I'm not having a go at that. I am, kind of. Were they just trying to play out from the back what or whatever? Like. It looked, just, like, it looked just, like they just boot the ball. <laughs> just it looked like all the energy that they might have given through the first weeks of the season it was just like we can't run anymore, we can't pass the ball. They lost their head, their shape, everything. It, but again, I think Benfica was going for it, really, really good. Roger Schmidt made some good changes, but but I think they, they for, you know, for their return in the Champions League, I think they, they made themselves and they're, they're incredible fans because those fans and that stadium was really, really buzzing. Really proud. No, absolutely. And they finished level on points with Juve. Let's exactly. not forget. Um, all right, final word on Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, because they're two seeds, mm -hmm. they 
you know, the, the jokes are already out there in Madrid. Ha, ha, ha. He's already arranged it. He's going to get Porto, who on paper are the weakest of the group winners. Yeah. I mean, seriously, if, if they draw a Bayern or a Manchester City, I mean, or even Real Madrid. But the point is, if whether you play them in the last 16 or in the quarterfinals, you will have to beat them if you want to go far. If, if you're a smaller club and you say, like, oh, yeah, this is great. It's a great adventure. Let's hope that we can just get one more run out of it. Okay, yeah, you don't want to face the big one. If if your ambition, and I'm not saying that they would beat Bayern and then Real and then City and then so you have to play, you uh, have to beat the best at some exactly. point. Exactly. So whether you so. pick them now in the semi-final, quarter-finals, it doesn't make much of difference. Yeah, you might lose in the last 16, but maybe you would have lost in a quarter had you played Dortmund in the last 16, but then faced City in a quarter. So. That's I the messaging know. from the club. Yeah, but is they that, finished second the more than among first the anywhere recently. They, all, they seem to always finish second in their group. Yeah, because they always have Barcelona or, or Bayern yeah, in the group, right? So, yeah, that's the message from the group, from Galtier, from the players. I think you can be disappointed not to have topped that group. In the end, let's see who they get in the draw. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com gab. Just go to Indeed.com gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Paris Saint-Germain, let's talk about one of the other games that was in doubt, one of the groups that was really finely poised. You had Sporting playing at home against Eintracht Frankfurt, uh, both teams on seven points, and you had uh, Tottenham Hotspur on eight points traveling to take on Marseille, who were on six points. And so everybody could qualify, finish first, second, third or fourth. Yes. All of them, if they won their game, they knew that they were going to go into the Champions League. Yeah. Uh, Tottenham knew that a draw would suffice yeah. for them. Um, it was pretty remarkable because Tottenham were terrible really against bad. Marseille. Really, really poor really in, in, in the first half. Really struggled, lost Hong Min Son. Um, they just found themselves being pushed deep, and yep. you're being pushed deep by, I mean, Harit, Matteo Ganduzi, mm. and Alexis Sanchez, who's 35 now, 34, yeah, 33. Yeah. Um, it was just really bad. But then here's the twist. Here's what I find interesting. Then they get the late equalizer, right? The early, uh, sorry, early, sorry, did they yeah. get the equalizer? Yeah, early, early, early in the second half, yeah. right? The, and again, the narrative is, oh, Conte shouting at halftime, blah, blah, blah. It's 1-1, you know, gets it done. So obviously Marseille go for the winner. Marseille don't know what's happening in the other game. Is it a draw? Is it a win? But 
eventually Eintracht Frankfurt turn it around. They were one nil down. They go two one up. Yeah. And so at that point, the scenario is completely different because suddenly Eintracht are on ten points. Yeah. And Spurs on nine. So Spurs are second of the group. Spurs on at uh, that time. Spurs on nine points, and then Spurs end up getting that late, late, late winner with Pierre-Emile Hoybier, yeah. who, for now, his mom is French, so... Of course. Uh, probably from Paris, too. D- where was the no, mom I from? I she pa- from no, Paris. I can't remember. He told me one day, but I can't remember. Right. It, was. it was incredible, Gab. Um, that Spurs, once again, find a way of winning, like at Bournemouth, in added time, deep in added time, after not playing well at all. There was a there was moment in the game where they were out, they were in the Europa League, then they were second in the group, and then, by miracle, they topped that group, which... For the draw is obviously better for them. Uh, and from a Marseille point of view, the players after the game said that the ones on the pitch didn't know that in the 90th minute they were third and at least qualified for the Europa League. So they would not have exposed themselves the way they did, all gone forward for no real reason because it didn't look like they would score. Kolasinac missed the header before that, but still. Yes, but at this stage it's 1-1. So they're all pouring forward, trying to score. Yeah. I'm assuming... The thinking at that point was, we need to do this, otherwise... Well, the players thought, we have to score here because for Because they assumed reason. the other game was a draw. Exactly. And so they would finish last in the group. Exactly. They thought they were last in the group, so they had to score anyway. And they exposed themselves on the counter. And then it's a 3v1 for Mbemba. And Tudor said, well, I tried to tell them, but this, the stadium was so noisy, they could not hear me. Which is complete BS, which I don't even understand how he can come up with that kind of explanation. Because then the players and Bembag and Duzi, Arit are going like, uh, saying, well, no, we didn't know. No one, no one tried to tell us. Otherwise, we would not have played the last minutes of the game the way we did. We would have kept the 1-1, qualified for the Europa League, something to look forward to, a bit of money coming in, stadiums, maybe even try to go far in the Europa League if you're Marseille. And instead, now you only have the league. So it was that. It wasn't the let's go for the winner, let's win the group, you no, got Tudor this. said, I tried I, to tell them, but there was too much noise, they could not hear me. I, which I, I, is I don't, driving me mad because I would sack him. It's a professional foul. Professional mistake, you said? Yeah. Professional error for a manager like him not to tell his players, I, listen, it's okay, we want the Champions League, but at least Europa League is fine. I don't believe that story for one minute that you tried to tell him, but it was yes. too loud. Because you know what? You have assistants. You have ball boys, who I presume are, who I presume are from the club's youth team. You can spread the word. There are breaks in play. Somebody can go and talk to, what's his name? The, 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 the Marseille keeper. Uh, Paul Lopez, right? Yeah, Paul go Lopez. Go and tell him. Yeah, everyone, can, like, you know, when the ball's at the other end. And the the right back jump. who plays right by the two-door bench, <laughs> man, or the right winger. You just grab him and say... Keep the score 1-1. We're in the Europa League. Tell everybody. I mean, unreal. Unreal. And now Tudor is getting slaughtered in Marseille. And for the right reason. Tudor could have told him himself. Because, of course, at one point, he was actually on the pitch. Try during to, the, trying to stop the counter. Stop Harry Kane, yeah. Hey, was it just an Igor Tudor meltdown? I thought it was. It was a disaster class. The substitution they made were too late. Were the wrong ones. I mean, <laughs> Luis Suarez, the bad one, not the good one. Coming, uh, It's just... Right. It's a shame because... At least take the Europa League spot. You know, it could have been better, of course. They were one nil up. They considered on the set piece. We told them before. <laughs> Spurs are very good on set piece. I don't know. It was it was a car right. crash. Let's stick to Spurs because yeah. obviously this game was super important for them to get it done. Um, we know the whole backstory. Antonio Conte likes his clubs to spend money. He's very mm-hmm. open about it. Um, they did spend a lot of money. Obviously, they need to see a return. Daniel Levy, I think, 
more than most has shown that you know he looks at the bottom line and obviously there's a big difference between advancing in the champions league just financially oh, yeah, besides like credibility yeah. whatever yeah, yeah yeah for sure um so they got that part done they are third in the premier league which people seem to forget yeah uh but on the other hand they play liverpool this weekend and things can change pretty quickly it's 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 it is pretty tight that sort of battle third you know you've got newcastle in fourth chelsea in six I, it can all change very yeah, quickly yeah so this is what, what i'm driving at um antonio conte was up in the stands uh suspended he looked very frustrated he didn't game. like it a second well i want to get the point because i said this on the fc show right he does not want his team to play like this this is not his game plan his game plan isn't Oh, look, I'm playing Marseille away with little sneaky Alexis Sanchez darting around. I don't want to defend as deep as I defend. I want to defend further up the pitch because that Marseille front three, you know, you don't exactly have Victor Seaman or Kylian Mbappe in there, right, in terms of, in terms of pace mm -hmm. or Rafael Leal. There you go. Uh, so let's defend further up. Let's defend further up. Let's defend so further up. I disagree with you. But I it, think that was the game plan, and they did what he asked them to do before I don't think they left so. the hotel. I, I, I don't think so. I don't. Why would they play so deep straight away then? I think that what happened was inevitably you can give players instructions, but on the pitch, on the night, they're going to revert to what they feel comfortable, ultimately. But what they feel comfortable is what he's been teaching them for 12 months. Well, he's not been teaching them for 12 months because he's been teaching Romero and he hasn't been teaching Longley for, for, for 12 months. No, but, but most I think, of them... I think the reason he's angry, and I think, believe he is angry this morning, is he didn't want them to do this, but they were incapable of, they were incapable of executing what he wanted them to do. And I think, I think it makes them angry do. and it makes them frustrating. I think this is what they do. They play like that. He wants them. They, 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 of the big teams in England, they're the team that play the deepest, that doesn't press, that doesn't play high. This is not what they do. They don't defend high. They don't have a high line. They have the lowest defensive line in the big, in the big teams in England. And I, and I think But in this game especially, in other games it can make sense. I think in this game Marseille, especially, the way Marseille, Marseille... A draw was enough for them. And I think they went to get a draw and that was it. That's the way I saw it, watching the game. And when you think Conte thought the best way to get a draw is to you sit so deep and invite pressure. Yeah. You play, I think... With Longley and, and Ben Davies and And then and you stuff play on the counter there. when you have with Son and Ken. And once Son, once Son came out after 20 minutes, or whatever, 25 minutes, it was even, even more because then Bisuma came on. Yeah, I, I know. I... And, you know, I know there's not many options because there's no Richarlison, there's no Kulusevski, Lucas Moura is just back from injury, and then you've got Brian Hale on the bench, and that's it. I just, I just thought it was super minimalist, but it worked. So, and it's been working this season because they've had the results. It's just the performances, I think, again, we go back to the same debate that we have and conversation of, like, they should be playing much better with the players they have, and yet they don't. It, so, look, this is what... I've been told that he doesn't want them to do it and they end up doing it or he doesn't get his message across or he doesn't feel confident yeah. that they can do it the way he wants them to play because this is not how he played at Inter, this is not how he played at, at Chelsea. Broadly, it's not how he played when he was Italy manager in, in 2016. Mm. Um, but 
either way, it just sends off this message of, of negativity. And I don't know how you break that other than by beating Liverpool convincingly at the weekend, assuming you can do that. But again, playing Liverpool without Son, I sense more of the same. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what you do now. I don't know if you you rely even more on Harry Kane, but then he's so important to you almost to start your offensive move than to finish he them. Can't be the one starting the offensive move. This is one of so I he has think. to stay higher up, and then you maybe play more on your wing backs. But Ryan Sessegnon, who is purely left-footed, starting so he, at he right inverted, wing he back. Them, right? No, but Perisic you can understand. Sides, Perisic yeah. is two-footed, so it's fine. But Ryan Tessignon is not two-footed. Ryan Tessignon cannot play as a right wing-back. He doesn't have a right foot. Right. So you're sacrificing the wits to try to invite Tessignon to come inside to be another runner, somebody who can play a one-two. Right? But obviously that didn't work. Obviously that didn't work. Could I've told you before. The but, but I think what this, I mean, just, to me what this shows is that he's recognizing the predictability of it if you're just going to sit on yeah. the counter. I mean, even you look at this midfield, yeah. Hoiberg obviously can finish, as we've seen, and... He can pass a little bit when he doesn't have people on him, but he's not gonna. No. He's not a creative passer. Bentoncourt has a lot of drive. I certainly wouldn't class him in the creative passer nope. category. I agree. Neither does Basuma fit there. No. Nope. Harry Winks is gone, of course. Yeah. Um, this is the figure I think that's that's very obviously missing from yeah. the midfield if you're yeah. going to try the to play that possession game. So you have to do, you know, what, what, what he used to call the the automatisms, right? The Players move, they get the ball, they immediately know what to do, you pass the ball into space because you know yeah. the guy's going to be there, all this stuff, and you have to drill that into. You have to figure out, if you're Conte, how to get that message across to your players in double-quick time because you don't have the time to work with them on the training pitch in season, mm. you know, in the adjustments. You had it preseason. Yeah. Um, and I think he knows he needs to do better there. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, enough Spurs. How about some quick hits instead? Let's go, guys. Real Madrid destroys Celtic 5-1. Jules, are they back on track a little after uh, two lackluster displays? And how excited did you get in minute 63 <laughs> when that bald guy in the number nine shirt came on? What's his name? Kareem the Dream. He came on. I think had Real Madrid not had those two kind of average results before, uh, I think Carlito would have maybe played not a team as strong as the one I, he fielded against Celtic. But because of those last two results, I think he had, they had to really put on a performance and win and, and win well. That's why he was such a strong team, really. And they just blew them apart. I mean, I like Celtic. We like Ange, of course. But yeah, this was, this was one-sided completely. Porto, I, 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 like, I like how, like, when you 
called Postacoglu by his Christian name. Well, it's yeah, because you know, I think he'll probably call himself Ange. Ange, I know, but yeah. Porto beat <laughs> Atletico Madrid 2 1 to top Group B. Gab, few would have expected this a month ago or so when Sergio Conceição and his family were being assaulted and threatened by some angry Porto supporters. Yeah, obviously, two defeats in this group. Uh, the car was surrounded. I think one of his kids ended up being injured. They were pelted with, with, with debris and stuff. Yeah. Um, Look, uh, I, I think it's it's a turnaround. I mean, they knew they were going to win the group. I think it's a credit to the to the resilience of this team. I mean, this group was kind of all over the place in terms of results, but um, onwards and upwards for them. As, as for Atleti, that's an humiliation. Yes. It is. It is a humiliation. One win in a group like this with Bruges, Bayer Leverkusen, and in Porto. Porto, Bayer really? Actor manager. Yeah, it's. Um, I, I I think a rethink is required or I think a deep and I don't know that it's necessary that Simeone needs to leave but I think there has to be some clarity I think so much of this club's business and the way it's operated yeah. thus far has been how can I say this nicely agent yeah. driven yeah. and it's like oh let's keep adding new players regardless and then Cholo will figure out where they fit no some players do not fit and I don't think should I don't think they should no, be there I'm with you Manchester City beat Sevilla 3-1 in one of the many dead rubbers on the day Jules I want to ask you about uh, Julian Alvarez did he show you enough that he can be an effective plan B up front? So it, this was good. Uh, he was not good against Leicester at the no. weekend, starting on his own up front, replacing Haaland. This was better against a team. Um, <laughs> I was not very good even with a, with a five-man defence. Uh, but still, he took his goal really well and more ball by Kevin De Bruyne, who just was napping on the bench. Then Pep said, hey, you go on. We need a bit of a spark. First ball, beam, incredible. And then two assists as well. One for Rico yeah. Lewis, obviously, who set a new record for the youngest debutant, to, so the younger player to score in his debut in the Champions League at 17 and 343 days or six days. Um, but yeah, better from Alvarez. He needs more time to adapt to Pep philosophy and everything, of course. But those games, I think, will boost his confidence. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure that he's a center forward. Yeah, center forward. Maybe better um, of a second, second striker, but, maybe. You know. No fairy tale for Shakhtar Donetsk. Uh, they needed to beat Leipzig in Warsaw, but they fell 4 0 down. Gab, they leave a legacy, and obviously we will see them in the, um, in the Europa League. Yeah, and, and then you can talk about Mikhailo Mudrik again. Um, yeah, they leave a legacy. This is pretty incredible. People forget, you know, Donetsk are from Donetsk. Donetsk, the people of Donetsk have now very voluntarily voted to be annexed by Russia. No, obviously not. Um, But they've actually played in the Donbass Arena, I think, since 2014, April 2014. Mark Ogden was out there. He he did a story on this. They obviously lost all their players in the summer because of the war. They got to go, you know, they've been playing in Kiev and Lviv over the years. Um, It's it's a tremendous story. And the way they came together, the way they got those results... Iser Leipzig, obviously big question marks about the future with the passing of uh, of, of Matishitz, what it means for his empire of clubs. Yeah. I don't know that this is the most likable project but uh, for obvious reasons, but equally, what they do, they've done very well, and um, and it's big for them. Yeah, and by the way, the Christophe Nkunku celebration with the balloon, it's only for his son. There's, don't start thinking about maybe he likes other things with balloons. This was for his son, uh, his young son. He promised him to do a celebration with the balloon because his son loves balloons and they love playing in the house with the balloons. Okay. So that was it. Okay. So nothing. what he's saying is it's nothing to do with illegal substances. Exactly. Thank you. Nothing else. 
Liverpool deal Napoli their first defeat of the season in all competitions, winning 2-0. Jules, the game didn't matter, but is this the turning point we've been waiting for for Liverpool? <laughs> Did you see enough? The turning point, like after they beat City, or the turning point where maybe they won against Ajax the first time around, or maybe the turning point of the last win against Newcastle. Stop maybe, it. Last minute win. I don't know, time will tell, but they were solid, or a bit more solid, even if the Ostergaard goal was offside, but just about. Um, but it's a win, you don't concede, Konate is back and made a big difference with Van Dijk, certainly. And you score two late goals on set pieces where you've been really good. Um, so you, you, you certainly take that. I like Darwin Nunez's entrance and sort of 25 is minutes. Is the performance Camille. Yeah, better? that was good. That was oh, the team, is the before Curtis Jones, Fabinho. I think there's still too many, yeah. too no, many no, things for him to sure. work on. Yeah. Milan had to be Salzburg to advance and they did winning 4-0 with my boy Olivier Giroud scoring two goals and giving two assists. Gab, it's the first time they are in the knockout since 2014. That's right. And it's nice to see a legacy nice. club kind of back where they belong and kind of earning their way back. I will say this about Milan. Uh, this is not a good first half. It was not a comfortable first half. Yeah, they took the lead, uh, but they really did not play well. Yeah. They turned yeah. it on the second half and... Rafael Leal, hey. <laughs> he's just so ridiculously fast and nobody gets the ball but he off. He just yeah. went around the box to cross <laughs> it for the second. He, just starts, running, goal. he starts running vertically, then he starts running horizontally. He can't even catch None it. of these people get near him. You know what's funny? Salzburg, the I think their average, the, the, their oldest player is 24 years old. Oh, 24 years old, right? Yeah, they they don't even have the excuse of being old. They're the same age as him. They, nobody can catch him. Chelsea beat Dinamo Zagreb 2-1 as Graham Potter changes his formation for the umpteenth time. There's a shock. And Dennis Zakaria scores on his debut. Longer way to debut. But Jules, it was tough to watch Ben Chilwell get injured. Yeah, this is obviously the bad point of the night from a Chelsea point of view. Uh, Clearly a hamstring problem, but a bad one. He could not even put his foot on the ground. He had to be carried off. Um, by some member of the staff. He looks in real pain. Potter said doesn't look good at all for the World Cup. It's, it's a real shame. Does this mean more uh, Pulisic and Sterling as wingbacks? Oh, no. Please no, please no. Bayern be Inter 2-0. Gab, both teams with nothing to play for, really, and looking ahead at the weekend. So I'll just ask you about Eric Maxim Choupo-Moting, who scored in his sixth consecutive game. What a goal as well, by the way. And evidence that his team, that this team sorry, is so good that anyone can play up front and score tons of goals for Bayern. I don't want to make fun of him, but I nah. wondered if, if Chris Wood had had all nah, of, please, all of, Ma- of <laughs> Shubo Moteng's minutes. No? no, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Shubo, we're, we're, we're fans. I think he's actually yeah. played really well. It's yeah, almost like he's been great. elevated by his teammates. Some of his goals he showed real technique yeah. on, not this one so much, but some of the others. And there's talk of him getting a new, new contract. Well done yeah. for him. Barcelona play a mixture of reserves and kids and win 4-2 away to Victoria Pilsen. Jules Ansufati started in consecutive games for the first time in a year. Now, he started up front, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, false, yeah. whatever yeah, you want to call it. Nine. Does this mean he's back for good now and he can start regularly and well, we don't have I to see the last 20 minutes? Barca is saying that fitness-wise, he's not oh, ready he's... to start again. I'd be surprised if he starts at the weekend, Gav, uh, for the third time right. in a row. I, I don't know. I think he wants to play more, but maybe not. Ajax beat Rangers 3-1, Gab, 6 games, 6 defeats, 22 goals conceded, minus 20 goal difference for Rangers. The worst Champions League side in history, isn't it? 
I statistically, I believe it is in terms of attitude and the way they played. I think, except for maybe that half against half and a bit against Liverpool. Yeah, but that was a game where then they lost seven one. Yeah, they took the lead, but after that it was bad. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I I think this is pretty terrible. I think it speaks to the imbalance of resources and also I think some poor decisions. Uh, but can I also show some love? For Ajax, yeah, of course. Uh, let's not forget this team was, you know, absolutely ransacked yeah. in the summer. They had a really tough group with high flying Napoli and, and Liverpool, who, lest we forget, are still Liverpool. Um, I thought they acquitted themselves okay, and I wonder if they can spring a surprise or two in the Europa League. Sporting take the lead against Eintracht Frankfurt, but end up throwing it all away, and they get beat two-one. Yeah. Jules, we spent so much time oh, praising Ruben it. Amorim. Is it this one's on him, yeah? Well, I think they were being lucky with the penalty they conceded. I mean, I know Coates touches the ball and Kamada plays it well. I see why you give the penalty. But at that time, I think they, they're well into the game sporting. They're in the lead and they control it quite well. Then the second goal from Frankfurt is a, is a beauty by Knaf and Kolomuani. It's just, I think on another day, could have turned. They were in a strong position and that's where I think you rise certainly on Amorim. Uh, but in the end, considering how average the start of the season has been domestically, they're certainly not as good as they used to be when they were champions. For example, I think you take the Europa League, uh, because I think there was a point where they didn't even think they would be in the Europa League. So you take that and you uh, move on. And say thank you, Igor Tudor. Yeah, big time. Thank you, Igor. <laughs> You're even worse than me. <laughs> but Leverkusen and Bruges battle to nil-nil draw. Xabi Alonso gets Europa League football and Bruges were already through anywhere. So Gab, I'm sure you want to take this opportunity to remind us all your prediction on Bruges when the draw was made. Of course. I get so few predictions right, so I'm going to harp on about Bruges and well, Inter yeah, do, you're forever. Right but you're right. uh, no, again, it's also an excuse to mention once again, Mr. Champions League, Hans van Aken, didn't score, didn't score last time around, missed no. a penalty as well in yeah. one of the previous games, but he gets to keep going in the Champions League. I don't know, League. I don't know why natural. that comes from. Give it, everybody calls him Mr. Champions League. It is one of the most <laughs> established nicknames in the world. One of the most original ones, too. <laughs> you know, goodness <laughs> me. I, honestly, I, I'd love to find out the guy who started calling him that. Yeah, I know. And then I'd love to meet the people who keep calling him that. When it's when he clearly is not Mr. Champions League. <laughs> Another dead rubber, but no, oh, by the way, you know who is Mr. Champions League? The man who, I believe, surpassed Sir Alex Ferguson's yeah, record Carlo, of Champions League winners. Yeah, three wins. Yeah, there you go. Another dead rubber, but not insignificant, as no. uh, Hakon Haraldsson scores Copenhagen's first goal of the tournament in the draw 1-1 with Borussia Dortmund. Jules, Copenhagen go out with three times as many points as goals. One of exactly. the quirks of this wonderful sport. Yes, wonderful. I mean, they have a young team, certainly. Um, Darami, Haraldsson... But they were just never going to be good enough. Although two nil-nil draws and one against City, you know, well done. Uh, and then this one, the one-one against Dortmund, with, without Jude Bellingham, without a lot of you know starters and strong players. So you you take you take that. It's still I think it's still a great experience for a club like that. Wouldn't have brought them much money, but still a lot more money than just the domestic money. Um, and you get three draws. You finish on a kind of high-ish. This is where the cynic in me says, great experience, more money, so then you can go and buy more young players, not the really good ones, not the second tier, but the third tier of young players. Keep playing young players, and one of them works out, you become a feeder club for other teams, yeah. and this is what no, I know. European football is now. I know. Sergio Ramos says he hopes to make Spain's World Cup squad and gets an endorsement from Carlo Ancelotti. Your thought, Gabs? We know that he's in the 55-man squad, like pre-squad, if you want. I mean, 
Carlo Girotti we know is a very very nice man yeah um he was never going to say anything else then yeah yeah <laughs> Sergio Ramos I don't believe has played for Spain in what nearly two years year yeah, and a half something like that uh, I was thinking about the 55 man squad like it's just an enormous squad yeah. I, I'm I mean there's 220 players who start most weeks in La Liga right yeah. uh, I'm going to assume that maybe half. more than half of them are foreign yeah. So it's 110, and then obviously, you know, obviously you have Spanish players playing abroad, although not that many. This is not such a big, what is like no. one in three and Spaniards also, playing top flight football who are starters. Also, he's not technically a starter. At yeah, no, but everybody head coach do that 55 man or 60 men. They just don't make it public. Like in Spain, like, why, would you, why would you make that public to know 55 or 60 names when, you know, it's just well, weird. Well, yeah, but it's also like, you know, if you're like the fifth goalkeeper or something. True. Like, Although if you miss out on the 55, like a Fabian Ruiz, which I don't really understand. You must be really good if you don't even make the 55. Like, all right, come on. It's Carlos Soler is in it, though, right? I would think. I think so. I was. I was told that he was not out, so he all must right. be in somehow. Sticking with the World Cup, now it's official. Paul Pogba won't be going. Jules, yeah. I really like the guy. The opportunity to meet him. I know he divides opinion. Money he was a buzz United, but I feel bad for him. I feel bad for yeah. him also because part of the reason he's not going is that he could have had surgery in the summer and then he would have been reasonably certain of going. Yeah. He chose to have the alternative treatments so he could actually play for his club side yeah. before the World Cup. Uh, and now he's missing the World Cup. Yeah, it's a big blow for him, of course, uh, for France, even if he's not. He hasn't been at his best for a while now, but still you would want him with you in your squad, on the pitch, him and Conte now, within two weeks of each other, both withdrawing from the, from the World Cup and from the France squad. Which is, which is really a big thing for Deschamps. I wrote a piece on the website about the sort of state of affair for France right now and where Deschamps is going to go and who is going to call and who is going to start. All of that. There's a lot of hopes now and pressure on Aurélien Chouameni, for example, who at 22 has always been the heir to Pogba and Conte, but maybe this is certainly earlier than what we thought he would step in or have has to step in. Also, he's the heir to two different people who are starting Yeah, I mean, he's that midfield kind of thing. I think he can play either role. No, no, I know, I know he can, but like, I know France have depth, but if Chou, I mean, who's the other central midfielder? Rabio. It would be Chouamini and Rabio. If I mean, he has a midfielder. I, okay, I hear Rabio's been up and down, but I wouldn't feel it's so good about... But I mean, Rabio's more of a, one of those weird Deschamps fetishes that he has, yeah, right? Yeah, he loves him. Um, Always loved him. Unai Emery had to wait a few days to take charge of training Aston Villa because it took time for him to get a work permit. Does this make sense to you? I mean, how? Well, I, I mean, those work permit. Tell you what, if Richard Scudamore, and I hope Richard Masters, who's the boss of the Premier League, does this, gets the FA, just marches into the foreign office and he says, look, I realize Brexit happened yeah. and I realize this guy doesn't have an automatic right to work here. But one of the commitments you said that the things that Britain does really, really well, whether it's high finance or British aerospace or whatever, this would not get in the way of business. And if there's an employer who is willing to play Mr. Unai Emery millions and millions of, of pounds, 45% of roughly 45% of that is going to go directly into the coffers of the, of the tax man yeah. that you expedite the freaking process. Yeah. Do you just assume that if a business is willing to pay somebody millions and millions, no questions. Here you are. Come here and work. I'm going to get half the money anyway, regardless of what happens, right? I as in British government. Yeah. This is stupid. 
It's mm. it's embarrassing. You can say, oh, football's not that important. You're fine, right? But, but this is humiliating. Yeah. This is stupid. And by the way, one other thing. I'd really love to know this, right? Oh, he can't take charge of training. If Unai Emery shows up, right, and puts on his tracksuit and his, like, little clipboard or whatever it is he wears during training and gives orders, what are they going to do? Arrest him? Yeah, did you get a like, fine, what, what, maybe? What, 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 fine from who? Who, who? who is the shadow inspector who comes up there and says, no, Aston Villa, Unai Emery can't be here. They tell you Unai Emery that he can't... Well, start working because he doesn't well, have a work permit. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> what does that even mean? There must be a fine system or something. It's so know. stupid. It's so stupid. Manuel Neuer has revealed that he has undergone surgery three times yeah. for skin cancer. Jules, he'll be fine for the World Cup. Obviously, he's been out for Bayern. It's not often you hear stars open up about this. And I kind of feel that in Europe, anyway, uh, in Australia, not so much. There is a big thing. Yeah. People don't really talk about how people with certain complexions are very are, are more vulnerable more, to this yeah. and this is an issue i think you it was great to hear him him open up he looked more human you know how he's the goalkeeper and he's so strong and he's so dominant and he's so really? everything but now to see him and in that light i thought was was really um even moving at times to hear the story and the thing and he, he'd be fine uh, but i hope that maybe others can follow and maybe talk about things that they've gone through like that we there was this incredible very different from uh, Pierre Emil Oiberg about his dad uh, recently on the BBC that was incredible too and I think more players should open up really really on their own experiences what they went through what they did that, I think that would help others and I think I think Manuel Neuer did that for sure the AP and Swiss TV Asafar revealed that Qatar spent nearly 400 million dollars to hire a former CIA agent to spy on FIFA officials after the World Cup was awarded. Gav, are you surprised? I mean, the gift that keeps on giving. I, this story is, <laughs> wow. there's so many facets to this. So, so this guy, he's a former CIA uh. agent. The way this came out is that he set up his own company after he left the CIA. And this company basically, you know, they offered in, um, industrial espionage, surveillance, blah, blah, blah. They were brokers. Yeah. Um, and, and the, the reason we know all this is that some of his former employees, they went to the AP, they leaked documents, and, and there's a court case going on now. Um, he's accused of several things that, you know, because there's a lot of politics stuff involved. Okay, <laughs> there's two things here. Essentially, this, this doesn't have to do with stuff that happened before the vote when it came out. This was after the yeah. vote. Everybody said, oh, Qatar's getting the World Cup. You know, this is bad because there's corruption involved in them winning the vote. I think now we safely say, based was, on the number yeah. of people who have since been uh, indicted or, or, or banned as a result, there probably was. Um, and so Qatar said, like, oh, no, no, no. Qatar had two concerns. One is, we need to look good in the eyes of the world. Um, and two... We have to make sure that FIFA does do not take the World Cup away from us. Yeah. So let's go and spy on, <laughs> on people, them. right? Okay. That, that, that was the thinking. That's yeah. what he pitched the Qataris. I, I, I'm a big boy. I understand there's a lot of stuff that goes on um, around uh, these, these major events, a lot of skullduggery. What I don't understand is two things. One is... Four hundred million dollars. I mean, like, it was like, like three hundred eighty-seven million. It's close to four hundred million dollars. Like what, seriously, on they spend that on what? Like, I, like to hire somebody in India to go and hack and tap a phone, or to tap, like, tap a phone to go and hack people's computers. You do it with phishing emails. Uh, 
<laughs> this to me seems like well, one of the, most... the amount is ridiculous. So I, the way I see it, either they found a lot of stuff which has never come to light, or the Qataris got completely, completely. They did not get value <laughs> they got, for money yeah. in any way, shape, or form uh, whatsoever. And and that's the other thing about this is, you know, Blatter could have taken the World Cup away from from Qatar. Yeah. Um, he, and obviously, he was against the World Cup in Qatar. That was not his plan. He wanted the World Cup in 2020, 2022 in the U.S. In the U.S., yeah. He had other issues, whatever. It never happened. It stayed in Qatar. And then when, when this administration took over, uh, it, was, it was too late. Um, but I think it tells you a little bit about how badly certain people in Qatar wanted the World Cup, how much money they threw at yeah. this. I know, for sure. To go and, and, and hire this dude. And, and his spooks to go and uh, crazy. It's, it's, it's pretty extraordinary. Yeah. El Chacho Cudet is out at Celta Vigo. Here's Carlos Carvajal to replace him, Jules. They were one point for relegation, so maybe not so strange. And I really like Carlos Carvajal. Yeah, who did a great job, of course, at Braga, his last job where they won the cup and brought, all, brought through all those young generation the young kids and everything and uh, he did well in England too he did so people remember he got Carlos a raw deal England. when he was here in England yeah actually. definitely and for Quidettes there were some really good things as always with him they finished eighth I think in his first season this season was harder and I guess when you build a lot around Yago Aspas who is like 55 years old or something now if, if he goes off a little bit then then you you as a team struggle so let's see what Carlos Carvajal can do with that team England coach Gareth Southgate has been criticised by human rights campaigners, Gab, for what he said about migrant workers in Qatar in the World Cup. What, was it that bad? What was it? I'll let you judge, Jules. You tell me, because I have the quote right here. He was speaking to CNN. He said, I've been out to, uh, to Qatar several times and I've met with lots of the workers out there and they are united in certainly one thing, that they want the tournament to happen and they want that because they love football. They want the football to come to Qatar. Unquote. All right. <laughs> is this bad or offensive? Or well, I, I don't think it is offensive. I think if he spoke to those people and that's what they said to him, if he didn't make it up, <laughs> I don't know how many he spoke to. So what he's getting slammed for is, well, Gareth, when you go and you speak to migrant workers and, you know, there's, a, there's the migrant workers boss there, the, the representatives from the Supreme Committee are there, and you ask them questions, what are they going to say? Oh, no, actually, I'm a cricket fan. I don't care about this. I'm just here to feed my family. And, by the way, we're treated horribly. Um, so that is, that, that's essential. Yeah, I'm paraphrasing yeah, yeah. what they're criticizing him for. I also kind of feel, at some point, you have to understand Gary Southgate is a football coach, right? So he knew one of two things. You're going to say, oh, no, I'm just here for the football. Direct all politics questions to my government, right? Or if you have him talk about migrant workers, yeah. he's got to talk about migrant workers. You know, what's he supposed to say? He, do, you, do you want him to come on television? He's asked about it. And, you know, and he says, oh, well, I met the migrant workers and they told me they are a little looking forward to the World Cup and they were excited to meet me. But I don't believe them. I think they're actually oh, yeah. really unhappy. Yeah, yeah. You know, like at some point, you have to draw the line. I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's good that they speak out. He's spoken out. He's taken a stand. I, I think the time to take the stand, as you know, and I've said this many times, yeah, yeah. was many, many years ago. And the people taking a stand should have been our elected officials, not Gary Southgate. I don't know what no. the hell Gary Southgate was and doing back in 2010. After initially saying he wanted to take time off, uh, Julian Lopetegui is apparently close to agreeing terms with Wolves. 
Jules, are you surprised with the, surprised with the U-turn? I mean, it really just tells you the intricacy of the negotiations yes, between Justy really. Foot and Justy Foot, right? Justy Foot and Justy Foot, yeah. And I think he's had enough of all the phone calls from Uncle George, all the text messages, all the WhatsApp messages, everything, all the emails where he said, like, come on, come on, you're, you're the only one I can put in that club. I, I want to see him there. I think he will go now, for sure. Uh, I, I don't think it's a good move from him, for him at all. But I want to I want to see him I want to see him in the Premier League to start with I want to see him in that context see what he does if he can sort this mess out or not see what players they bring for him in January all of that if you're a Wolves fan I think he's a good coach he's a really good coach he's I think a very you should good coach. be you should be happy in a way even if you know how this is done. But I don't know. I don't know how much he can do with our squads. We'll have to. See. I, I I wonder too. I mean, part of the reason he was hesitant at first, I think it was his, his father had been yeah, had been unwell and stuff. If he needs more time, I mean, they what? They have two more games before the break. Before five weeks break, exactly. Give him more. Give him more time. Yeah. We, I, we don't need to shoehorn him in for one game and. True. You know, given the time. It's he probably needs what it. will happen anyway. I think. I I, I I would. I certainly. I certainly would hope so. He's a good coach. I don't think this team is necessarily. I mean, some of the players I don't think are that good because ultimately some of the players aren't necessarily there for very clear-eyed decisions yeah, as right much reasons, as it is, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, putting them in a shop window. But I think they, he's got a lot of types of players that would do well in, um, in, in Lopetegui's approach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I think it would be good news for Wolves fan if he comes yeah. in. It's been a common theme, Gab. Both Rangers manager Jovan Bronkost and Lazio's Mauricio Sarri complained that the Dutch FA allowed Ajax and Feyenoord to postpone their fixtures. The domestic fixtures in the Eredivisie last weekend. Sari, whose Lazio side kick off in a few hours on Thursday night, as we record, they said that UEFA ought to be ashamed. Okay, I, I think, as we say in Italy, some people missed out a great opportunity to just shut the hell up. Thank up. you very much. Like, honestly, all right, first of all, uh, Gio, I really like you. I like you as a player and so on. Do not bring this up. Uh, no, no, do not bring please. this up after the kind of campaign that you have, yes, right? Yes, exactly. Asadi may have a little bit more of a point, but the fact is there's data on this that kind of shows that it really doesn't move the needle that Not much. much. Just coaches get this into their heads. But to go and blame UEFA, so what you're suggesting is UEFA should go to the Dutch FA and say, ah, Dutch FA, kind VB, whatever you are. Yeah, let's, let's ban you because you're allowed Feyenoord. How about you let them do whatever the heck they want? Seriously, what, 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 what do you care if they don't play for six months or whatever? What do you care? Why don't they cancel the league? Like, seriously. <laughs> I mean, like, there's a lot of things that you want to be critical for, for you. This is for. so embarrassing. This is not one of them. So Get your excuse in early. Why don't you wait until after the game like Van Bronckhorst did? I mean, I, I, I just, I don't understand this. I don't understand no, I mean, these no. obsessions ratcheting up the pressure. I'll tell you what, Lazio mm. have been playing really well. They've been really impressive. No, in Europe, though, they should be, no, already should through. Be better. Yeah, no, That's why he's they, opening They could be mouth. knocked out. Um... But Sarri, like, I mean, I multiple screws have come loose in his head yeah. between the pitch and this. And, you know, the other week he says, oh, I can't tell you what I think. Otherwise, I'll be banned for six months. And God. the guy in the tunnel. Hey, enough. Yeah. Enough. Wow. Federico Chiesa made his return for Juve against Paris Saint-Germain after more than a year out. Jules, this is just in time for Italy's World Cup. Uh, uh, never mind. <laughs> 
no bless him he really wanted to come on at half time he was like sprinting and and just getting ready and then once he once he got on he just wanted the ball all the time you could see him asking like <laughs> where the ball could have been on the other <laughs> side and he was like yeah i want it please i want to touch it i want to take to be on fair players. he's always like that i know he's always like that but even more i guess after being out for a year so good i just hope and again i think this is a bit of the the mindset at Juve is like let's not rush anything we don't want to set back here we don't want our hamstring injury related to him coming back and wanting to do so much and, and everything so but good to see him back on the pitch of course Manchester United will reportedly trigger Jogo Dalot's one year contract extension Gab that makes sense to you right it makes a ton of sense great I think he's been really good he was good when he was at, uh, when he was on loan at Milan um should we show some love? Make, make make the Mourinho fans happy. Remind them that he arrived oh, under Jose yeah. Mourinho. For Twenty million. Um, time was a lot of money. I think he's a very good player. I, you know, is he is he Cafu yeah. and Roberto Carlos rolled into one? No, uh, but you know he can play on on both flanks. He's he's filled the job. It means that we don't see your buddy Aaron Juan Bissaka no, play again, for, please. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so no, he's good. And look, is he the long-term answer in that role? No, maybe they'll go and sign somebody in the summer and create competition for for for, for Dalla. That's fine, mm. right? But for what Ten Hag wants from his fullbacks, this is what he provides, exactly, yeah. and he does it. He does it very, very well. Yeah. James Ollie reporting that Liverpool are currently viewed as the favorites to sign Jude Bellingham from Borussia Dortmund, according to the sources he's spoken to. Now, most likely, this isn't going to be in January. It's going to be in the summer. There's a host of other clubs, usual suspects, yeah. uh, Real Madrid, although I don't really get why Real Madrid need Jude Bellingham uh, that badly. Manchester City, United, Chelsea, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. They all want to sign him. Um, is this a yeah. good way for FSG to spend their money? I mean, they need, they need to revamp the midfield to start with. Uh, is it better to spend it on one incredible player for 150 million or three very good ones for 50 each? I don't know. Uh, I, we, I mean, we love Jude Bellingham. Everybody loves Jude, Jude Bellingham. Would he come to Liverpool if they don't qualify for the Champions League next season? I'm not sure. Do they He's have played enough Champions League football? What is it like? I mean, oh no, I don't want to go to Liverpool. No, you no, come I'm to Liverpool saying. if you like Klopp, and yeah, if yeah, you, yeah, but no, not if they're on the way down the either. Do you know what I mean? There's, there's a love. There's an environment, there's a context. If they finish eighth in the Premier League, for example, and City also won you with Pep, and Pep said to you that you're going to play in midfield with Rodri and Kevin De Bruyne behind your, your mate, Haaland, I'm sorry, but if you're Jude Bellingham, you can tell me right now that you would rather Liverpool than anybody else, but if they finish eighth and City come knocking with more money, more way, biggest wages, anything you want, I'm not sure he chooses Liverpool over City and Pep and Haaland I, and De Bruyne. I'll say this. Um about that and I believe Jude Billingham hasn't won anything yet uh, and this goes the Pokal won the Pokal okay. hasn't won any leagues but yet yeah, yeah. and won a Champions League Pokal Polkses um, I always wonder like and we said this about Harry Kane too right if you move to a team like City that is so dominant yeah you'll win silverware that's what I want and maybe you'll do it as a protagonist although I'm not know Jude Bellingham will ever be the best player at Manchester City, as long as Kevin De Bruyne and Erling Haaland are there. Um, or you go to Liverpool and you kind of cue the turnaround. You turn Liverpool back into the force they were very, very recently. I don't know. There's two different, sure. two different approaches to it. I don't it, know right? if it's two different approaches. I don't know. He speaks to, I suspect he speaks to Haaland all the time. Imagine Haaland describing Pep Guardiola's training sessions 
or things like that. I think if you believe you think, okay, I can go to the next level with Pep. Maybe we think the same about Klopp. And maybe he speaks to, I don't know, Curtis Jones or Jordan Henderson who said Klopp is great and Klopp is this and that. Maybe. I'm maybe just, Erling Holland tells him, I'm hey, wait a year. When I moved to Real Madrid and just, team up with Kylian Mbappe, you can be behind yeah, no, us no, in midfield. Maybe, but I'm just saying know. that surely Bellingham and yeah, his no, no, dad no, no. It's his choice that take the whole to context in to decide I, where to go. I do think 150 million, which I believe this would, be the would be a world record for a player in his position. Yeah. I don't think, I mean, what's the most expensive central midfielder? Paul Pogba, 100 million. I think Paul Pogba it. is, you know, um, I think that's a ton of money. Um, yeah. And I think... Liverpool, uh, we won't know for certain, but I kind of feel if Michael Edwards were still there, I don't know how much money Liverpool have to spend, obviously with FSG and whatever, but I wonder if they wouldn't be taking a slightly different approach on that maybe, one. Maybe, maybe. Gab, there's been reports about a revamp for, in the women's game about their international setup. What can you tell us? More than reports, this has been a it's official sorry, by UEFA's sure. executive committee. Um, essentially, they're going to connect the Nations League and qualifying for European competitions uh, in such a way that it's going to effectively be, be tiered like uh, like the Nations League is tiered. We're not going to a situation where, you know, England are in a group with Albania and San Marino and they win yes, 40 to, to, to nothing. Right now, you know, we can't treat the women's game exactly the way we treat the men's game because the women's game is has a different history and is a different situation. And one mm -hmm. of the things that we're seeing is that when it comes to competitive football, you know, there is a massive gap between the best teams and everybody else. And nobody benefits when England play Albania and they beat them 15 nothing, right? So I don't want to pick on Albania. I'm just using no, it yeah. as an example. We also know that in the women's game, international football draws huge audiences. Um, whereas in the men's game, you know, it's still driven by club football in the yeah. women's game. The internationals are, are huge. So why not use that as a lever to grow the game? I, I, I think it's positive. I need yeah. to take a closer look at, at, at the setup, but certainly European qualifying. And I wonder, I wonder if this works. I wonder if they won't consider it as well for the men's game. In other words, have a tiers approach like a Nations League, use that to qualify for the Euros rather than having a separate process which you know normally you have one team one good team one so-so team and a couple muppets yeah. and it's the euros so like a million teams qualify anyway didier duchamp has reportedly agreed to be interviewed at halftime during world cup games other world cup managers like southgate have declined uh will this add to your enjoyment jules but this is this has been the case for the france games since i don't know the last 25 years even before deschamps was the manager when there's a game france are playing whatever it is he's always interviewed at half time outside of world cups and stuff like that so it won't be different to him who just comes out says nothing in halftime and yeah. like, I was, I'm assuming most managers. two questions on the when he leaves the dressing room to go to the pitch for the second half two questions but it, it's that's something it. that's new for the world cup yeah right yeah I like it, but the, I, I can tell people now, you're going to watch the World Cup and some of the managers will be, and they, they will say nothing, literally nothing. But <laughs> at least you hear their voice at halftime instead of the, the pundits. Of I the can understand, given the way the media is in this country, why Southgate doesn't want to do it. Because if he says nothing, he'll be slaughtered for saying nothing. Yeah. Uh, if he says something, he'll be slaughtered for saying True. something. And uh, there's also an agreement, I think, with France that Deschamps knows that there won't be a tough question asked at halftime. It's not the time and the moment to do that 
So maybe Saudi is a bit scared that someone would go and, and be very aggressive and like, oh, why did you do this in that first half? Or why didn't you bring him on? It's not the case for Deschamps. It's very generic kind of so nice softball. Yeah, yeah, I exactly. mean, we see this in other sports. I, to yeah, me, it generally doesn't really no, mean much me to me. A new Netflix documentary, Gab, sheds some light on Leo Messi's pre-game speech before the 2021 Copa Americas final at the Maracanã in Brazil. Gab, what did you learn? Well, I kind of saw another side of, of Messi, right? Because yeah, the guy generally never talks, and when he talks, let's face it, he's generally pretty milk toast, right? Mm -hmm. um, but in this one, you know, he talked about how this is their final. Uh, this competition should have been there, obviously should have should been, have been in, Argentina. in Argentina in 2020, and then yeah. COVID hit and whatever. Um, and he says, you know, uh, just let's go out there, let's enjoy it. With let's be calm. Yeah, let's some be good calm. Words. Let's, let's win it. Words, uh, you kind of saw another side, and he was also because obviously to him, you know, he'd never won a major tournament except for the Olympics, if you want to count that, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, so it meant a lot. So uh, it certainly humanized him um, a little bit, a little bit further. So yeah. sometimes you get these little, these little insights, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Jules, that brings us to an end, but. What a crazy oh, weekend! Sunday, of especially the Sunday. Oh my goodness! We have Arsenal against Chelsea. With Chelsea against Arsenal, yeah. we have Spurs against Liverpool. We yeah. have Juventus against Inter. We yeah. have Atalanta against Napoli, which is first against second in Serie A. Yeah. Uh, we have the Rome derby. Yeah. We have El Gran derby in Seville. Nice shirt. That's why you're wearing this. Yes. It is going to be Incredible. wild. And then Super Sunday for sure. And on Monday, what do we have? The Champions League round of 16 draw. Exactly. How about that? Until then, love the game, love your neighbor, love yourself. <laughs>